This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Austin Real Estate Investing. This is Jordan Moorhead. Today I have John and Buddy here, a partnership who are real estate investing in the Austin area, and they're going to tell us all about that. How's it going, guys? Doing awesome. Great. So could you guys tell me a little bit about what you do and how you met and how you got involved doing this together? Sure. Go ahead, buddy. Well, John and I actually met in a Bible study group that, uh, where he was uh, at that point looking for somebody to partner with and uh, started talking. And after uh, probably a couple of meetings, we decided it seemed to be a good fit. And that's what started our journey around 2013. Thanks. Were you, were both of you separately investing in real estate before you met? I was not. Okay. Never in my life. <laughs> Buddy, what about you? Yeah, I was, uh, I've, I've been involved in real estate since around 2009, but unfortunately, 2010 went through a divorce, so they kind of stopped it for a bit, mm-hmm. and then start, picked it back in 2011, flipping my first house and all, and then uh, going from there. And then when I met John, I was in the middle of doing some, and but he's got a lot of marketing experience, so we just teamed up to let our synergies work for us. That's perfect. That's a, a perfect partnership there. If somebody's good at one thing and the other partner has a completely different skill set on the other side. So what is it mainly that you guys do together? What we do together or to get deals? What, what you do, what kind of real estate investing are you involved in? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, no problems. Uh, we do rehabs, uh, new construction and the Austin core. We do wholetailing as well, which is um, you do nothing or do a lipstick rehab. Uh, the way I define the lip, our hotel or lipstick rehab, if by the time we buy it, if we could rehab it, do all the work we can and have it on the market within 30 days, I consider that a hotel or a lipstick rehab. Or, or we do nothing to it and sell it. We don't need a, a, as greater margins uh, for that. Uh, we've done loan assumptions or subject twos with rats. We're not really uh, big in uh, being landlords. Uh, we have been, but we've uh, we just sat on them for a couple of years, let it appreciate, fix them up, and sell them. Um, we've done um, some minor commercial stuff. We passively invest in um, senior living and and uh, major apartment complexes and. We do little subdivisions out in the country as well. Um, we uh, we cut up uh, we cut up land and uh, sell off the lots, or just improve the land. You know, uh, put a septic and taps to it, and clean up the land and sell it. Uh, we even manufacture. I mean, we even rehab manufactured homes out in the country as well. Oh wow! So it sounds like you guys are in a little bit of everything. It sounds like your buy and hold is mostly just purely passive investing and, and senior living in apartment complexes, but then you're uh, you're fixing and developing and you know subdividing land on the other hand too. Um, right. 
more about that subdividing land where where are you guys making that work right now and, and do you have any projects going currently yes uh we we currently have uh two ones in dell texas and the other ones in mcdade okay how does that you, so you just buy a big chunk of land and then you you subdivide it put septic in not, not necessarily uh the one in dell texas it's just three acres but it was a perfect rectangle and um just just like my phone here <laughs> and one road came comes here and another road comes here and we just divide it up into three lots this way three one acre lots and that's currently what we're doing uh what we're doing is just putting taps on it and that's it and cleaning it up but it's been a process dealing with uh panalonia water um, what they want us, wanted us to do is upgrade their whole line, which would have cost us about $54,000 for about, what, 500 feet? We said the heck with that. So um, we ended up having to change from three lots to two lots because once you hit over, uh, over two lots, if, you hit, if, if it's three or more, then we had to put in that uh, infrastructure. So we actually were changing it back to two lots now so we don't have to pay that. And running the numbers, it, it comes out that we uh, that we make a little more if we don't upgrade the water system to to that fifty four thousand dollar infrastructure cost. Absolutely, that's a, a big expense for just yeah. two lots. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, these these small these small town um, water companies they have a monopoly on it, and you could either get it or not. You know, so one lesson we've learned is we're not going to deal with Panalonia water anymore um, if it's more than two taps. And we have 18 acres in McDade, which is in Bastrop County, and we're subdividing that up into six slots. Yes, yeah, six slots. And that's really beautiful. It's, uh, it has pines and a lot of post oaks. It's absolutely beautiful. And we are going to have to run uh, aqua water. Aqua water is a lot more friendly. Um, we're running, uh, we're running some of their, we're, we're upgrading some of their infrastructure. Um, we, we, we're just playing response with them right now. So I don't know what the cost is, but I did, um, I just did a generic cost, uh, with, with that and the subdivision cost. Um, bought it. Oh, that sounds exciting. So you also talked about you were doing development in Austin. What do those projects look like? Why don't you go ahead, buddy? Well, usually our development is taking whatever we can get and either upgrading one of the houses and putting another one or uh, doing ground up. We've actually have one that's uh, on the books right now where we were looking at, it was an acre and a half, but part of it was in the floodplain. We were looking at changing it into three lots and then just selling off the lots, you know, get, leaving some skin on the bone and, and, uh, making money off of that but when the flood the, the entire floodplain changed last year in october it it changed at the exact same time we bought it so when it did that and we tried to redo it it went from three lots out of this subdivision to just that one lot that we already had so it didn't make it it did make it uh easy fast piece but we are going to build on it so it's gonna we're going to develop that into basically a duplex and it's going to be with what's going on with coronavirus and all now, the duplexes we're going to build are going to be four bedroom because with, using our designer realtor, we've noticed that 
that people are staying home more and they want that extra either office space or they want that extra bedroom for the kids and all so they can do homeschooling or things like that. So we, we hope that, uh, not that the coronavirus keeps going, but we hope that the, this, uh, this uh, kind of new trend keeps going where more people are working from home. That way this will keep the uh, prices on these up. And it's gonna be a, it's gonna get us, uh, you know, a, a pretty good return on our money. And, you know, people want that extra bedroom for their office since they're staying home more. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, is, this is one of my, this is my, my, whenever I look at a deal, right? So we're, we were, when I first looked at it, it's off E.M. Franklin Avenue. It's in the, uh, it's in an area of, of uh, the zip code is 78721. And it has the highest ARB in 78721. We love doing deals there. But that's why we always buy low. We never buy high just because our plans did not happen. And um, so, you know, we thought we could get three lots out of it. And if we had a planned, uh, we, we, we could have bought it for a, a heck of a lot more. So we bought it. I'll tell you, we bought it for $210,000. When was it, buddy? 2019 or yeah. late 2018? No, yeah, October, early. October 2019. October 2019. And uh, so our plans went through, but I got it so low, right, that uh, a lot like that's way worth more than double that. So we're still able to build a duplex condo regime and still come out ahead. So I'm a, I'm a big, uh, that's one of our rules when I, whenever I look at anything. So even if I could do a subdivision and a smaller lot makes sense, I'm still not going to pay retail price because something could happen or the economy could fall out. So I'll always want that deep discount. And, and, and Jordan, I don't know if you've dealt with the city of Austin, but if you think your plans are not going to change, deal with the city because they will every time. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm actually in 78721 here. Um, so I see all of this infill building and, you know, just new development going on and, Lots of condos, like you're talking about the AB condo. So, great place to be right now. Okay. Uh, that's where we do a lot of our work is in 78721. We've done, um, we finished three projects this year, two units per, um, per, uh, per piece wow. of, per, per, per lot mm-hmm. in, in that area. Awesome. So, you said you do some just rehabbing homes too. You actually just fix up existing homes and resell them. Yeah, currently we have uh, two here in Austin that we're rehabbing, and these are these are actually we don't get a lot of the lipstick looking flips. We get the tough ones where we're replacing, as you know, out in seven eight seven two one or two three or any of those zip codes. You've got cast iron pipe, so if that cast iron is not good you take it out. If it's not going to hold under pressure, which is called a hydrostatic test, we get rid of it because it's not worth our time when you sell it. And they do want to do the hydrostatic tests and all the time. If you tell them no, they're probably going to move on because I I can tell you for a fact, I wouldn't buy a house if I didn't do a hydrostatic test on it just to make sure that it's holding. And hydrostatic tests just to hold pressure is actually not, it's not a real normal condition. I uh, have 22 years of experience with Safe Arm Insurance. I was a claim adjuster. I did 
all types of claims, including foundation claims where we dealt with uh, plumbing and all that. So a hydrostatic test is under pressure, but if it fails that, we also do a flow test where we put a measured part of water, uh, like fill up a five gallon bucket, mark it, pour it down, and then suck it all up back down at the clean out to see if we got it all back. If we got it all back, then it's fine. It's working under normal conditions. So there's a lot of things we look at, but we've got two big ones here. We actually have one that we picked up in Fort Worth, which is a little bit outside of our territory, but I've got a great contractor up there and it seems like it's gonna go faster than here in Austin because of the issues that you don't have to deal with in Fort Worth that you do have to deal with in Austin. Yeah, so it sounds like you guys aren't stuck just to the Austin area. You'll go outside of the Austin area, maybe out to Bastrop, even further out, and then you'll take it down in, in Dallas, even if it's open. Am I right there? Hey, if it makes sense, we'll do anywhere in Texas. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess, you know, everybody that's listening to this episode wants to know why Austin, you know, so you guys, like you're talking about, could do anywhere in Texas. Why still invest in Austin? Well, number one, this is, this is where the area we live in. That's mm -hmm. number one. We just happened, you know, we didn't come to Austin to invest in Austin. We we're both living here. Actually, I live in Bastrop now. Um, but uh, it, it just so happened uh, that, that we just lived here when we started doing this. But Austin is by far, I think, one of the, the fastest growing and most secure markets in the nation. Mm -hmm. uh, because of all the uh, industry, all the manufacturing jobs coming in, all the tech jobs, um, all all these different companies are are uh, moving in here. Um, of course, Tesla's moving in the Tesla factory. So, um, according to all the you know economists and people that watch the market tightly, they they all say that Austin's the best place to be. And back in um, back during the recession, the two thousand eight two thousand nine. Um, I saw an, uh, an economist said Austin only suffered one week of, of recession, just one compared to the rest of the nation and even Texas is phenomenal. Yeah, we've got a very recession resistant economy here and I think that's something great about Austin. And there's um, just not enough housing, you know, so the housing demands there. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I saw a stat recently that even Though builders are building as fast as they possibly can, they're only keeping up with half of the demand for new homes. And there's even less inventory for existing homes in the urban core. There's 1.2 months of inventory and the normal market is six. So we're severely reduced inventory right now. It's good for us. Yeah, <laughs> great for you, yeah. Um, so what attracted you guys to real estate investing? Obviously you met already interested in it, what attracted you each individually to real estate investing? Well, you go ahead first, John, and then I'll jump okay. in after you. Okay, well, um, back in 2008, 2009, I had, I kind of hit bottom spiritually and, and in every way. And, uh, and uh, I basically, um, I, I found God, right, as, you know, find God and, and become somebody new or go the wrong direction. And I honestly thought I would be a uh, full-time missionary or evangelist. And, uh, but God had a different, uh, a different path for me. All, uh, and the crazy thing is Jordan that I had 
prophesy over me that I was going into business and specifically into real estate and real estate development, which I'm like, no, I've owned my own business before. And I, I didn't want anything at all to do with it. All I wanted to do was to seek God and to, and to do his will because, um, you know, God's, to me, God's the greatest gift I, I could ever have. And, um, well, anyway, just everything lined up. This, uh, my, my brother owns a civil engineering firm. And uh, I mentioned to him back in like 20, 2010, you know, I might be interested in rehabbing houses and I wanted to actually do the work myself. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then all out, uh, out of the blue in 2013, my, my brother talked to his, uh, his VP in San Antonio, a guy named uh, Dodd Neiser. And he was rehabbing houses and he was retiring and he's going into full-time ministry. And the crazy thing was, um, I didn't know I was going into full-time real estate. So I was kind of in ministry and I was going into business and he's leaving business, going into ministry. So we met and um, we basically got along real good. He was on fire for God and me. And, and he said, hey, the reason your brother wanted, uh, wanted me to talk with you is to talk to you about rehabbing houses. And we talked some about that. And he told me about Ron Legrand. And this CD that he watched, and he taught me the formula of 70% of the ARV, the after repair value, minus repairs. That's how you find them. And we're both like, yeah, we both thought we just, we became real good friends. We both thought that I wasn't going to go into it. And sure enough, I lost my job. Just everything lined up. And then I was like, okay, God, um, if, um, if, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to go into this, I, I don't want to do what I was doing. Um, and I didn't want to go back to corporate America. And I was like, um, I, I need some help, you know? And the crazy thing was I was in a Bible study already before I even prayed some prayer and buddy was there and, uh, come to find out he rehabbed houses and then uh, everything lined up. I studied the Ron Legrand CD for about two weeks and I went out and started doing it. And, um, it took about a month and a half. Um, so I started and, I was studying in August and really started moving in September. Then at uh, the beginning of November is when I started getting deals. And I got 121 uh, Franklin Street, which Buddy and I partnered on. We did a new build there. I'm, our, that's in 78704, and I got that for $115,000. Oh, wow. <laughs> in 2013, that's still a good deal. And I just ended up getting like uh, four or five more. And that's how I met Dan Castro. This other title company wasn't responding to me. So I yanked all my contracts out and uh, hooked up with Dan Castro. And Dan Castro took my calls, literally. I'm writing a contract at six o'clock in the evening on a Sunday night. That dude took my calls, which I'm real grateful. He helped me a lot. And then um, that just happened from there. I did my first year. I, I made about... $30,000 $30,000 more than I did at my previous job when I was working at Dell and I made decent money there and we just went up from there. That's awesome. How about you, buddy? Well, uh, as you heard a little bit earlier, I've done 22, done 22 years. That's funny. 22 years in the corporate world with State Farm, but I was a claim rep that I dealt with, you know, everything from hurricanes to tornadoes to whatever. So I've been on over 3,000 roofs. I used to be identify a roof by standing on it, I could tell you who the manufacturer was and and what the color was and how the roof was within two years. I mean, I've done so many roofs and I love houses. I, I just love them. And then I got into the underwriting portion of it and then back into claim rep. 
for another seven years. And then I, my last part, I was training all the claim reps in the state of Texas and uh, traveling up as a, a team of five claim trainers up to our Bloomington, Illinois office and teaching everyone how to estimate houses to put mm-hmm. them back together, um, the different pieces, uh, pieces of the house and also how to deal with policy. My first uh, actual rehab was a burned house. It, the entire roof was gone, most of the second story and all that. And I actually partnered with a contractor that I knew from my state farm days. So that, and I've been helping, I've, I've built, helped build our own beach cabins. I've helped my friends build, build their cabins up the lake. So I've been doing it a long time, all the stuff. I know every piece of a house. I know good, bad, ugly on everything. So that's why with me and John, that's why it's synergistic because he does all of our marketing while I do all of our project management. I start from the time to, like in Austin, as you know, I got to check trees, see how big they are, check topography, make sure the house is good or bad. Can we rehab the house or not? And then do we want to put an ADU on there? Is it big enough? So I got into it by, by that side, but I've actually been interested in why. I mean, I took a, a one of the uh, first courses from Robert, uh, I got forget his name, one, one of the ones years ago that um, was one of the main ones and he got out of it. Then I went to the RIAs and I got, uh, became good friends with Phil and Chanel Grove since 2009. And then working with them through all the stuff, they actually personally mentored me for a year, which helped my career take off. And then I could finally quit State Farm in 2015. And it's been full time since 2015 in this business with John. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. That's amazing. It it does sound like you guys have some nice synergy there with John. You you know all the marketing side and, and buddy, you know, really from seeing all the damage done to homes, you know how they're rebuilt front and back. So it's makes for a good partnership. Sounds like you mentioned something there, um, building ADU. So do you guys build ADUs on properties here in Austin? All the time. All the time. And what those what those actually stand for is auxiliary dwelling units. Mm-hmm. And John actually runs different scenarios of what we should build. John, tell about kind of what you what you do with auxiliary dwelling units and, and what 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 we should actually build with our your scenario. Well, I run I run different scenarios if there's a house on the lot, um, depending on how much the rehab costs are whether we should keep it or not, or if we should expand it or tear it down and build a front unit. Um, If we should build a duplex condo regime or a front unit and a back unit. Uh, Now uh, stuff's kind of changed unless you just got a gargantuan lot like we do off EM Franklin. Normally we get our best returns with a front unit and a rear unit. And if you could save the rehab, um, if you could save the house that's on it, you know, if it's not, if it doesn't cost you, you know, $150 a foot, uh, rehab it and with the taps, by the way, you got to update the, uh, update the taps as well. You could, um, you know, if you could stay at, um, uh, about a $110 a foot, 115 or, or under on repairs, including the tap, then it makes it worth it to keep it. And normally the interesting thing that I found is um, normally our expansion, sometimes we do expansions, we'll add another bedroom or a bathroom, but normally 
anything above like two or 300 feet just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And by the way, when I'm running rehab scenarios, if I can't get a 70% of the ARB minus repairs or construction costs, um, if uh, an addition will never make sense. I've never, ever been able to do it. I've never been able to make a, a project 70%, a 70% deal by doing an expansion to the house. Oh, wow. So yeah. with these ADU, are you selling the ADU separately or are you selling the yes. property as a whole? Oh, okay. Uh, we're selling them separately. Yeah, so we condo regime them mm -hmm. and the ADU separately. Absolutely. You know, that's actually a really big question I get from, from people is, hey, you know, I want to buy a single family house. Maybe it's zoned SF3 and I want to put an ADU in the back. And to be real honest, I don't know a whole lot about that. What are the costs on, let's say, a seven or 800 square foot ADU or a cost per square foot to build typically? Well, then, there's a lot more to it, too. So the, the, um, the cost, I, I, I would use, um, if you're just doing an ADU by itself, $180 to $185 a foot. Okay. Well, that's anywhere between about 800 to 1,100 feet. And that's including a tap. And if you have an ADU in the backyard, right, you're going to have to get a tap for that. You're going to have to upgrade the tap to the front house as well. Okay. So you need a lot. That's a minimum of 5,750 square feet, right? That's the rule. And um, you could build 15% of the lot size. You, you know, how, how do you determine how do I build an ADU? It's 15% of the lot size up to 1,100 feet. That, that's how you determine that. And you also got to watch out you need to read the uh, deed restrictions, even though it's zoned properly, right, SF3, but if the deed restrictions prohibit it, um, you can't do it. You know, you could potentially get sued or whoever you sell it to, and you'll have to have a clause in your title policy about that. Yeah, which would make it hard to sell to an buyer, that's for sure. Yeah, if the deed restrictions prohibit it. A lot of times when you when, when we get our title work, we specifically have to add, ask for the deed restriction. They won't, they just, sometimes they just don't show up, you know, in the regular title committee. Sure. Sometimes you even have to look at the plat. Sometimes they have deed restrictions on the plat itself. Oh, wow. So, you know, it sounds like you guys have done all the different kinds of deals. Um, I know we always talk about all the great deals we have, but, you know, what's a deal maybe you've learned some lessons on that you could, pass along to our listeners here. <laughs> Go with Dinfield, buddy. I'll start with Dinfield. Yeah, I'll start with them because you can learn a okay. lesson on everyone we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 1129 Dinfield, right? This was a lot in 78721. We tore down the house and um, we built a duplex condo regime on it and our this was what our second or third new build, buddy. So third, yeah. we did one twenty one Franklin, and then we had eleven thirty three Brookswood and eleven twenty nine Dinfield going on at the same time. And our architect, he took a year to build it. I mean, a year to design it, which cost us. And then, and also this guy messed up on framing. But he, he forgot to make room for all the HVAC ducking work. So we had to redo a lot of framing. 
And while our, our plans were in the city of Austin, or right before, our architect said he already submitted it, but I, I, I don't know. Um, the floodplain changed. Oh, wow. Had to build our, our foundation a foot and a half higher, and that cost us an extra 30 grand. And I don't know how much extra it cost us for the extra framing we had to do. And our GC, uh, he, he took, uh, boy, he took over a year to build it. So we're at two years. We paid $68,000 in interest, right? Hard money. Hard money. Yeah. But, and plus that other $30,000, right, for the, uh, um, for the foundation we didn't foresee. And I, I don't know how much more with the uh, – um, with, with the framing it cost us, but we ended up losing about 20 grand on that. Yeah, you know, that's not that bad for all the and, things that went wrong there. I know, in two years of our time. Yeah. So what would you tell somebody not to do that you learned from that? Was it choose a different architect, maybe a different GC? <laughs> yeah, really vet your architects. Um, you know, talk to me or buddy, ask us. Um, uh, you know, yeah, vet them, uh, make a, uh, um, make a contract with your contractor where if they, if they don't start, uh, if they put deadlines with them, you know, they got to finish by, you know, within six months. And then if they don't, you need to start hitting them heavy, you know, and, uh, deducting out of their draws money that they have. Well, those are two things. And also, um, it would be a good idea even to ha have a contract with your architect to say that, you know, he'll, he'd have certain milestones done within a certain amount of time as well. Yeah, that's huge. You know, especially when you're using hard money. Hard money is not cheap. It's called hard money for a reason. It right. can be really expensive. And when the time runs on like that, two years... I know a lot of hard money lenders won't even do that long. Did you run into any issues there? No, just they charged us a, what, a half a point or a quarter point. I forgot. For an extension? Was, right. Yeah, so we did it like three extension. times. Wow. Yeah. No, there's actually a, a new build, an AB condo unit in my neighborhood. It's 10 months in and it's not even close to done. And I'm wondering if he's going through some similar issues. You know, so we don't use hard money anymore. So, oh, really? We use private money and sometimes bank money. Yeah, no, hard money can be great if you can get the job done quick, but if you've got some time there, it ends up starting to really hurt. Um, so, what's one thing you tell newer investors? Let's say people are looking to do what you guys do, they're going to develop or flip houses. What would you tell somebody? What's your one piece of advice? Well, Jordan, I, I, you know, I have to tell you, I actually have two pieces of advice. Okay. One, get education. It, it's easy on the net. Now, you're not going to be able to get the in-depth education unless you get yourself a mentor, which I've, I've done. Mm -hmm. And me and John have mentors. But get education and two, partner with somebody that knows what they're doing. If you don't know, partner with them. I've actually had friends come to me that they've told me, hey, I just bought this house. I said, why don't you come talk to me? I wouldn't have let you buy that house. and she ended up losing money. And I told her, yeah, you're going to lose money on this because there's no way you can bring it. You, you can't rehab it and do a good job and sell it for the price you want to do. 
So those are the two things, education and partner with people, partner with the people that's done it before. And my, my thing is just do it. You know, I did the Ron Legrand's CD and um, which is very in depth. And all, all it is is 70% of the ARB minus repairs. And he taught how to market. I put bandit signs out, did driving for dollars. I couldn't afford, I had like 4,000, 6,000 in my bank account um, starting off. And, uh, uh, you know, so I hand wrote letters. I mean, I probably drove every street and, and three zip codes. Um, I just do it. I work Craigslist. Craig, Craig, Craig you don't have to know everything. You know, get, get the high level stuff. You know, figure out what your costs are per foot for rehab or new build and just do 70% of the ARB minus repairs. Now, I know in Austin, you could wholesale for higher than that, but that, that's, that's what a newbie would want to get it at or less. And just go do it. You don't, you don't have to figure it all out or with a uh, subject to the existing loan or the way Dan Castro calls it, a loan assumption. Just get the high level stuff. You know, something like me, I want, uh, I want 30,000 30, in equity between the notes if I'm, if I'm putting a wrap and owner financing it. You know, um, I, I'm going to want $300 a month in cash flow. Or for rentals, I have a 1% rule. That means if I buy it for ninety thousand and I put ten thousand into it, so I'm at a hundred thousand. I want a uh, thousand a month in in rents. Just get these high level, you know, get these high level formulas and principles, and just do it. You don't have to learn every detail. Once you have the deal, like what happened with me, the money and the expertise came. But it's all about finding that deal. You know, just just do it. And when dealing with people, just be a, a good human being, you, you know, just treat, treat, treat others nice, your partners nice, um, treat the people you're buying it from. A lot of people are in distress. You know, I've had uh, people cry with me and I've prayed with them and uh, they've been in some hard times. And I've had, uh, I think, two people say, or, I've been praying for somebody like you to show up. Are you an angel of God? You, you know, are you an angel of God? And uh, I had this one lady, she just kept repeating that. And she made me cry. Um, but, uh, you know, I helped her out of a foreclosure. On a Saturday, I found out, and it's going into foreclosure that Tuesday. And, um, and uh, you know, just treat them right. A lot of these people that I found in great distress, I could have got a lot better deal. You know, I could have taken a lot more advantage of them, but if I hit my 70% minus repairs, I'm good with that. Yeah. You know, and uh, just treat people good. You know, the big man upstairs is watching. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I think you have to treat everybody with respect, and that's going to come back around if you do it in the long run. Um, you know, you mentioned wholesalers, and I think dealing with, with realtors or brokers, too, is – you need to have these rules of thumb and you need to have some high level knowledge. You don't need to know everything, but don't believe the wholesaler or the realtor or the broker in the numbers they're giving you because they have an interest in selling this property. So right. really important to know. Hey, I need uh, to by, 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 by the way, 98% of all the wholesale deals I get are, are pure crap to me. People yeah. buy but, uh, you know, hitting, hitting the margins we want, uh, it doesn't happen. And I've never, ever bought a rehab online or from some broker or some real estate agent or cruising the MLS myself. Now, I have bought lots around the February time frame, 
everything seems to slow down and I've seen it on the market for, you know, since the, the previous July. And uh, then I start doing low bottom, you know, low offers. And I picked up some new construction deals like that, but never a rehab. Yeah. No, I think it's really, you just have to, you have to look out for yourself and you have to know those things no matter who you're dealing with. And yeah, the wholesale deals I see, you know, they're called wholesale, but 90, 99% of them are pure garbage. They're not any good deals at all that I, and that's, that's okay. You know, if I get 1% of the deals I see, I'm still going to do pretty well. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but I think it's about repetition over and over going after it. I get about one or two wholesale deals a year. Generally. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, so you guys have been at this for a while. How many years now? What's it? Uh, seven? Yes. Seven or eight. What's yeah, your seven best mindset for your partnership? Okay. What's your best mindset advice to keep a healthy partnership going and just continue to go year after year for an investor that's looking to do what you're doing? Well, I, I think, um, be be thoughtful of others and everybody has a downtime i think not um everybody doesn't perform at their top you know level all the time um there's been you know times where i haven't our buddy hasn't you know and uh we trust each other i mean we don't we don't have to do jvs on every project i mean our, our words are bond and we're gonna do what's uh right and fair and that that's how we um that's how we, we get along. We're going to try to do the right thing and the fair thing. We, we've had a few arguments, um, but, but not a lot. You know, we're just always, we're, we're going to do what's right, no matter how painful it is. Yeah, I think it's good to have that relationship, you know, especially in a partnership is, hey, I know I'm always going to do the other person right. I've known, I have one partner on some deals. I've known him since the fourth grade. And we've never done each other wrong. And I think we just have that trust there that, hey, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do you wrong. You know, all this, uh, for example, um, I think it was on Denfield. Um, I was reading the numbers wrong and I had my, uh, my bookkeeper check it, check it. But uh, I thought I owed Buddy $60,000. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I read it wrong and I was like, oh my God, I don't want to pay this, you know, because that, that year we we, already, uh, we we didn't do so hot. And I was like, man, I don't want to do it. But it's the right thing. <laughs> and I couldn't have told him anything, right? And, and, and gotten away with it, but I wouldn't have I went and told him. I'm like, well, if that's what it takes, you know, I'm just going to take that $60,000 hit. But I'm, I'm glad uh, it, it was uh, it was me reading the numbers wrong. Or had something wrong in my Excel sheet. Yeah, there you go. Just being honest with people helps a lot. And, and if you're honest, it, I think it's going to come back around, benefit you in the long run. Really good advice. So do you guys have a favorite business book or maybe mindset book you'd like to recommend to the listeners? Well, I'll tell you what, Jordan, if you're, if you're new in any business, one of my favorite books is called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Love it. And I consider Darren Hardy, and I've met Darren at a couple of uh, seminars that I took several years ago. And all it is is a mindset about little changes, little changes. Don't try to take the big, you know, I, I was, uh, I, I train people all the time. And I was 
in one of the houses that we've got ripped apart. And one of the ladies that was sitting in there just looking around and her mouth was open. And she says, where do you start? I said, it's an elephant. You just take one little bite at a time and just keep going. And that's kind of what Darren Hardy says. These little changes that you do over time makes big, big, big changes in what's going to happen in your life. So that's, that's probably one of my favorite books that got me motivated, even though it wasn't expressly for real estate investing, it really helped with that. So I love the compound effect. I think that's a, a great recommendation. Well, my, uh, what I think are like my guiding principles are, are biblical, especially Eddie and I are, are really, uh, big on being servant leaders. Uh, we help a lot of newbies. We help train them and uh, give them our time and, and our attention to help them succeed. And, uh, and it does come back. Like uh, I, I think about what, uh, how, how many deals this year did we partner on, buddy? I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, about eight or nine um, deals that we partnered on, on this year. Or yeah, maybe about, uh, 40, about 40% of our deals we've partnered on this year and at least and, and help helping others. And, uh, as far as a negotiation book is, uh, never split the difference by Chris Voss. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah that's so awesome. Especially I've, I've listened to his podcast on bigger pockets too. Um, that, that's a great negotiation book. I actually, I read that one and listened to the, the audio book. That is a really good audio book. If you're ever looking for something else to do. Uh, really Apparently he's coming out with the real estate investor focus, never split the difference, but from, uh, from what I hear. Really? That'd be awesome. Yes. So you're talking about, you guys do partner with other, other investors too. All the time. Okay. So I guess, uh, John, how many deals? Well, actually, every deal except except for one we've got going right now, we're, we're partnered with somebody else. And we just look at how much, who's doing what? I mean, because a lot of people go, well, how much are you going to give me? Well, let's see who's doing what. Mm -hmm. I mean, the deal's worth something. Uh, the, you know, running the deal's worth something. Selling the deal, vetting the deal, bringing the money. There's a lot of things that are different pieces in it. And we try to be fair with everybody to make sure that number one, they're making money. And a lot of times we look at maybe give them a wholesale, especially if they find it, give them a wholesale fee up front and then keep them in the deal so that they make money on the back end too. And then they stay in the deal. So they see what's going on. They see how we plan. They see what we do. They see which steps we take so that they can replicate that even on their own if they don't want to partner with us in the future. Sure. That's awesome. So how can people get a hold of you to learn more about maybe partnering with you? Let's say their neighbor's house is a house that they've talked to the neighbor and the neighbor wants to sell it. And, you know, it's a great deal. How can they reach out to you guys and, and learn more about that? Um, they can call me at 512-771-3752. You can email me too. It's my last name. I don't know if you guys can get this. John, J-O-H-N. My middle initial J and my last name Weindecker, L E Y E N D E C K E R at gmail.com. And of course, they can find both you on the Investor Underground on Facebook too. Right. So, Correct. A great place. And um, I know people run into 
to houses all the time that they can't do anything with. And it sounds like you guys are the perfect people to partner with. So you've got a deal, reach out to John and buddy. Uh, John and buddy, one last question here. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin? And, and you can each answer this one. John, you want to go first? Yeah, for, for me, I think um, overall atmosphere, priced, and food level, man, I love Java Cafe. The Java Cafe in Austin off uh, Metric and uh, the one in Round Rock, I've probably, I've had well over 100 meetings there. <laughs> you know, it's just good home-style food, great atmosphere at a cheap price, you know, $10 a plate. And they're yeah. really good meals, so. Yeah, I like to eat at fancier restaurants, but I'm not going to do that every meal. Even though I bought it, we make a good living. I'm still not going to. I'm st still too cheap to eat at super nice places all the time. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> buddy. Well, well, he, he's he, he Java Cafe Cafe is really good. I love Cabo Bob's. It's another place. It's a local Austin restaurant that's a uh, quick and they make their own stuff. But my favorite uh, restaurant here in Austin. It's probably Lenoir. It's L-E-N-O-I-R, 1807 South First. Uh, Todd Duplachan is the chef owner, and man, that, that his food is fantastic. It is great for date night, so if you're going to do that, uh, get a reservation, go out there. I mean, they're still on, I think they're where they're just doing outside service right now, but mm -hmm. when they go back inside and get all their stuff done, it's a, it's a really good food, and it's, it's, it's not the highest, the most you can expand, and it's not the lowest. You know, it's a it's a medium high level so it's well, really don't good. don't take don't take somebody out on your first date to java cafe probably oh, yeah. on your, maybe third day <laughs> good good meeting spot maybe not good first date spot right yeah there you go it is all right john and buddy thank you so much for coming on today absolutely you, enjoyed every minute of this just a, a great level of experience anybody that is looking to partner on a deal reach out to John and Buddy, and I'm sure they'd love to look at your deals. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. All thank right, you, Jordan. thank you.